0: Welcome to The District, a podcast by The Spectator World about politics and culture. I'm Amber Athey, the Washington editor for The Spectator, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Ollie London, who is going to tell us a story about his background and his personal life that has informed much of the debate about trans issues in America and abroad. Ollie, thank you so much for joining me, and if you could start by telling our listeners a little bit about who you are and how you got to be where you are today.
1: Well, firstly, thank you so much for having me here. I'm I'm very blessed to have the opportunity to speak out on my recent detransition. So let me tell you guys a little bit about me. So I used to live in Korea for one year, and then that's when I really started my journey of transformation. I, I actually started having plastic surgery there. And then over the last nine years, I've you know, I've had a lot of surgeries now, about 32 surgeries in total. And really, I think my quest was just trying to find happiness and perfection. I struggled to find that. I had gender dysphoria, which um, a lot of children have these days. You know, they're confused with their gender, they're confused with their identity. So I feel I was definitely suffering from that. Um, and I had the 32 procedures, um, and then the, uh, this year, actually, six months ago, I had facial feminization surgery um, in Turkey. I had 11 procedures in one day, which included shaving my forehead. Uh, my eyebrow bones were shaved down to make it more feminine. I had my hairline lowered and I'm literally left with so many scars on my hair and my face and stuff. And, you know, I've got to a point now where I kind of I'm trying to find happiness with who I am. And I've realized chasing this idea of perfection and beauty is just uh, it's really unattainable. And also, I've just realized it's more important what's inside, you know, inside our hearts. I'm trying to, you know, focus on that. I'm going to church now. I'm reading the Bible. I'm trying to find peace within myself. But uh, six months ago, I became a trans woman. I was uh, had the facial feminization. I had the hair extensions. I was wearing dresses. I was wearing heels in public. And, you know, I felt confident I felt different but I was still struggling with my identity I thought is this really me um and I was very very confused so yeah I became a trans woman basically because I was confused with my gender I thought maybe this is the reason why I've had so many surgeries I'm trying to be happy and you know then I realized you know I don't want to I don't want to be a trans woman it's not for me so I've shaved all my hair off now I'm living as a man again I've actually dissolved the fillers in my cheeks to make it more masculine so yeah, I've really been on a kind of journey and, you know, there's a lot of kids out there that are kind of pressurized, um, kids that maybe have gender dysphoria and they're unsure and they're kind of pressurized to transition from a very young age. In some states, uh, children are given giving puberty blockers and hormone replacement therapy from the age of 12. So really, I just want to share my story to try and speak up and try and you know save these children from having these operations because I don't believe children should be you know, transitioning if they're under the age of eighteen because you know it's they're not sure of themselves, they're confused, and uh, that's really why I wanted to speak up.
0: Yeah, and thank you for sharing that. And I, I want to tug on this thread about the age issue because you know you mentioned that that kids are in many cases being pushed into doing these types of life-altering procedures. Can you share how old were you when you started having the feelings of gender dysphoria, and then what age are you now? Because I think it shows, you know, even at older ages, it can be perhaps too soon for people to to make some of these changes to their bodies.
1: Mm. So actually now I'm 32 years old and really, well, I started having plastic surgery at 23. So I guess that's when I had the gender dysphoria because I just, firstly, I just was very unhappy with the way I looked. I used to get bullied so much at school for the way I looked, So I was always very insecure. So, yeah, I started having surgery and then I started... Trying to look more feminine, trying to look more Korean because I was living in Korea. I loved the kind of look; I thought it was very beautiful. So yeah, I started having surgeries to look Korean and more feminine, and it just went from there. And I've just you know constantly been having surgeries the last year. I think I've had maybe like seventeen procedures um, at three different times. I've gone under anesthetic three times in the last year. So yeah, I think it was really chasing the perfection, and then I was confused. You know, am I meant to be a woman? You know, am I meant to be a girl? And then I realised, you know, obviously you can't change biology. Even when I was trans, I would respect women. I would never use a women's locker room or restroom. I just I just feel, you know, women are at the moment being silenced and sidelined by some activists in the trans community. So, you know, even when I was trans, I have the fullest respect for women. And, you know, I realized there is biology, so I can't fully become a woman. I just wanted to look more feminine and feel more beautiful.
0: I think it's a shame that when... You were open and honest about your story and and this uh, chasing of perfection, as you refer to it, that you were really aggressively bullied online and and by individuals who really made fun of your struggles. and i, I it's it's really sad, and I think it's a shame that we don't treat people who are struggling with more compassion because ultimately, this is something that you you had to deal with not only on a personal level but you also did it sort of on a world stage which which adds added pressure to you so can you talk a little bit about the response that you've received for sharing your story and how you've been able to come to peace with yourself and your own identity while also dealing with this added external pressure
1: yeah well it was it was really hard but i i always feel you know i like to share my experience because i always feel maybe i can help someone else maybe sharing my story my detransition will help kids and actually since i shared that i've had thousands and thousands of parents reach out to me and say look my child is struggling with gender dysphoria do you have any advice you know they want the hormone replacement therapy is this good or not you know i have so many people reaching out to me and i you know i'm really trying to help them because um I feel like it's, it's just very confusing when you're a kid, you know, you know, maybe one day you want to be Superman or Spider-Man, like kids just, you know, kids are just kids. They just, they change their mind all the time and stuff. And, you know, they should be allowed to just have fun and just be themselves without this kind of added pressure. So yeah, I, I shared my story online. It was with Fox News and, um, you know, I got a great response from the parents and that's, that's what makes me happy is the fact I'm helping people, you know, if I can prevent children being pushed into something they may later regret. That's life-altering. Then you know, I'm I'm very happy to to be doing that. But yeah, I also got crazy amounts of abuse from very kind of far-left uh, trans lobbyists. You know, they've been attacking me nonstop on Twitter. You know, comparing me to horrible people. Like someone compared me to Hitler and stuff. Like just really, really horrible stuff and death threats. But you know, I'm kind of used to that. I I do social media all the time, so I'm kind of used to these hate comments. So I don't really pay attention. But it's it's just sad because you know I'm I'm a strong person I'm tough I, I've got a very thick skin I can take the abuse from these people but you know I'm trying to help if maybe other people want to detransition transition or other people are confused you know I want to share my story and I just feel sad you know if these people do speak out they're just bombarded with abuse from trans lobbyists and activists and it's. It's sad because some people can't deal with that pressure. Some people can't deal with that hate. And, you know, it can give these young people suicidal thoughts because of these haters, which is which is very wrong. So I just think people need to be more understanding. And, you know, we all have our own personal struggles in life. We all have our journeys. It's nice to be able to share that um, with the hope of helping others. And I just feel it's very wrong that people would, you know, send me death threats and hate and abuse just because I'm trying to share my story.
0: Absolutely, and I'm sorry that you had to go through that. When you were going through the process of your transition to become a trans woman, and you were presumably looking for information on, on how to make this happen, do you feel like the information that you got was well rounded? Do you feel like you had a full picture of maybe what, what negative side effects could occur if you did this? Or was it a bit more misinformation? I mean, because it, it seems like it's hard to find materials that speak about the negative side effects or further down the line how to detransition or or perhaps warnings from people who have gone through this process.
1: Yeah, I mean I know there's a lot of people out there that have detransitioned and I have seen people on Twitter and in, in news articles that have shared their story. So there's definitely a lot of people out there, but I feel like, you know, their stories are suppressed. You know, if they try to share their story on Twitter, they just have like a hundred hate comments. So it's it's very difficult for these people to share their stories. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of misinformation out there, and I think there's there's just so much pressure that people are saying, "Okay, change your gender," and you have some schools, you know, teaching five year olds about these things. You know, and I believe I think it was in the UK there was a teacher that lost their job recently for misgendering a child that was five years old. So I really think the wokism has just gone so crazy, and you know. We shouldn't be pushing these things on kids. We should be, you know, just letting kids have a great education about the world, about history. We shouldn't be pushing these things on kids. And I feel like these kids see this information online that, you know, it's easy to transition. It's easy to get access to these puberty blockers. And if you want to change, change. And I think, you know, kids, kids just need to enjoy their lives. You know, when they become an adult, if they want to change, if they want to have the surgery, you know, that's great for them but it's it's just so wrong that they're being pressured and the misinformation out there is pushing these children to, to think that it this is normal. You know, it's normal to cut off body parts. It's normal to go under these procedures, you know, in order to change their sex when they're they're not even 18. I think that's it's very very wrong.
0: Right. And at the same time that some of these trans lobbyists are telling children that it's normal to go through these procedures, they're also saying that It's not normal to have feelings of perhaps discomfort during puberty or insecurities or struggling with identity. And I I actually think that's a pretty common experience for most children. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they are born in the wrong body or that they are supposed to be the other gender. Um, That's kind of just a part of growing up, I think.
1: Mm, Exactly. I mean, all kids kind of when they become teenagers and they go through puberty, they do have these insecurities about their appearance about their identity. And, you know, there's a lot of confusing feelings. I remember as a teenager, I was very confused about who I was. So that's normal as a teenager. But, you know, there's a lot of school boards and even doctors that are telling these kids, okay, change your gender, it's fine, get these puberty blockers. And in some cases, there was in the UK this charity called Mermaids. They actually were giving young children the age of 12 these chest bandages to to wrap their breasts so they wouldn't grow. And they were actually doing that without the parents' permission. They were doing it behind their back and giving it to the kids. So there's a lot of abusive, you know, people out there that are taking advantage of this as doctors making a lot of money out of doing these surgeries. So I think, you know, kids have these insecurities. It's very normal. You know, there's a lot of confusion about who they are, who they want to be when they get older. But, you know, they just need to enjoy their lives. They need to get a great education, enjoy their lives. And then as an adult, then they can make a decision without um, people telling them what to do.
0: You mentioned the profit incentive from doctors who make a lot of money off of prescribing these medications or giving people these surgeries. What do you think are some of the other motivations at play? I mean, why would a teacher, for example, or, or a left-wing activist want children to go through the transition? I mean, from your perspective, what, what is behind that pressure? Is it just easier to tell kids that they are in the wrong body then you know helping them overcome insecurities or or what is really behind all of this I guess
1: um that's kind of a hard question to answer but I think there's uh some very powerful trans lobbies that have a lot of money have a lot of backing and I think they are just pushing these things on kids because in in their minds they believe it's right they believe this is the new normal and if you go back 30 years ago, you know, there was none of this. There was none of these, you know, debates about kids changing their gender. There was none of these pronouns. But, yeah, I think there's a lot of powerful trans lobbies out there. There's a lot of school boards that are telling teachers to use these different pronouns on kids, to teach them about gender, tell them they can change their gender. So I think there's, there's you know, there's a lot of money behind these um, charities. They make a lot of money um, from... But you know, promoting their ideas and getting these doctors to do surgeries. So, I think there's there's pressure from kind of all over the place, left wing activists as well. And I think they just push it because in their minds they think it's right and they want to do that. But you know, I don't think it's normal. We shouldn't be doing that to kids.
0: Absolutely, yeah. and I'm glad you talked about social media and its influence on children. And and this is something that certainly goes beyond just gender dysphoria, but body dysphor- dysmorphia more generally in feeling insecurities, something that I think a lot of people have to struggle with. So I want to thank you so much for being so honest about your story and sharing it, because I really do think it's going to help a lot of people. So thank you to our guest, Ollie London. We really appreciated having you on The Spectator Podcast today.
1: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of The District, don't forget to subscribe. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Spectator World is the American edition of the world's oldest magazine. To read more content on similar topics, please visit spectatorworld.com.